Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call. This is Dr. Elena George, and our show is all about living in the solutions. Today, I have somebody who I met at a conference who I am so happy I was able to get on the show because our show, as you know, is how we work around a system that's completely broken. If we keep doing the same things and expecting a different result, we're not going to get anywhere. And if we're really unlucky, we're going to get Medicare for all. Hopefully, that'll never come to pass. But the free market and the healthcare consumerism side of the healthcare system is what we're going to discuss today. It's growing, and every day I'm meeting like minded people. And I was blessed to meet uh, Mr. Larson at the DPC, Direct Primary Care Conference in Orlando, a couple of weeks ago. We sat at a table and we started talking. And I'm like, it's really awesome because you're in, in Georgia, and I'm like, I have to get to know this guy. And he has a company called Healthiant. He's the principal and the CEO, the founder of this of this company. And I love their tagline because the tagline is so true. Healthcare is broken. Yours doesn't have to be. And I think that actually says it all. But before we get started, I want to, uh, to introduce you to uh, Mr. Larson. And Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's really an honor to have you on. Well, thank you so much. It was great meeting you, and I'm very excited to be on your show. Well, let's get right to it. I know this is your baby. Tell me how you came came how it Healthsync came about. Well, it actually kind of came about. We had a a group of us who were working in healthcare technology for a, a large healthcare concern, um, really around more of the, the financial aspects and claims management aspects uh, for large large healthcare concerns. Mm-hmm. And we, we always got together and talked about what's going on in the future, where healthcare should be going, what, where we would like it to go, and around consumerism and healthcare. And at one point, we, we kind of focused on where we really thought we could help change it and got, got kind of excited about it and said, well, we need to go do this. And that's how it kind of got started, and uh, that was about 15 months ago. Wow, this is really quite new. I think um, one of the things that we've on the medical side have seen is the electronic medical record system that came online with the High Tech Act. And one of the things that we as physicians have been complaining about was it wasn't very user-friendly, and neither for the doctor nor the patient. Very unwieldy, a lot of information, basically none of it's, uh, well, I wouldn't say none, but most of it is not that useful for direct, you know, daily patient care. And it's all about the insurance companies, but your take is different. It's not about having the insurance companies per se in this. Isn't this really more about empowering the, the physician and the independent physician? Absolutely. So we actually don't do anything around uh, insurance billings or claims. Um, We're building products that are really focused on the, the concierge and direct primary care physician, the independent physicians and helping them really be more efficient, get, get through a lot of the administrative work. And the, the focus, we kind of call it, is care communications and collaboration. So trying to, to provide them with uh, rich communications with their patient. And when they're, when they're remote, either the patient's remote or both the patient and the physician are remote. And also improvements around coordination of care and information sharing not only between the, the physician and the rest of the care team or clinicians, but also between the patient and their family or, or caregivers. We put a lot of effort into thinking kind of about what they call the sandwich generation, where you've got, you know, parents that are having to deal with their kids, but also having to take care of elderly parents. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our focus. Well, that's very comprehensive. I think one of the things I noticed when I was taking care of patients, especially in a hospital setting, there was really no communication. The family was kind of out of the loop. If they couldn't see the doctor, they didn't really know what was going on with their family member, nor the patient for that matter. And I think in the, in the day and age of capitation and now the Affordable Care Act, I think that, that actually has gotten worse. There's no time 
time is the is the most important thing in a in a physician office, and there's go, it's gone. So there is no time to talk with the patient. Nobody ends up calling the family member. And what you just described to me is about a holistic approach to patient care. I would think, no matter how old you are, that your the members of uh, the Helsinki must love this because. There is no black hole. Everybody knows what's going on with the coordination of care, and that means less things slip through, doesn't it? Absolutely, um, because several of us have elderly parents that that at least one of the members of the family is helping take care of and kind of coordinate with the other family members. It becomes very difficult when things are faxed or handwritten um, to try to try to coordinate around those, and it's there's no real reason for it, and it's actually more difficult on the physician. So we've really been taking a look and, and again, looking at the, especially direct primary care physician that um, is creating a, a, a much more ongoing relationship with a patient. The Since it is a subscription-based model for payment, um, telehealth is embraced and there's a lot of things we can do to just make it easier on the physician having a great interface and great communications and collaboration with the patient and the family, and also improving that ability to get, get information to the other members of the care team. Well, let me ask you about the, especially the telemedicine part of this platform. I think, you know, I, I have a practice that's in the city, so patients can generally get to see me pretty easily. I know for a rural-based physician, this must be godsend, because you actually can take care of your patient in a manner that they don't, if they can't get to you, you're still able to see them and able to provide services. Do you find that doctors are, or patients too, are they embracing telemedicine more than, is that, is that a growing phenomenon? Absolutely. I mean, and, and you're seeing it, in a, and initially I think you're, you're getting more of the, the things like the, the, the teledoc and, and telehealth that, that really is just connecting with whatever physician may be available, mm-hmm. um, but that's really not, not getting the type of relationship that we think is, is necessary. We're really trying to connect the primary care physician or the specialist um, that the patient is using uh, with the patient, whether they're at home or at work um, or in a long-term care facility. So are the, just from the nuts and bolts perspective, are the doctors paying for the platform are the patients paying? Is this? Does insurance have any? I don't think it does, but I just want to be clear for the listeners. Does insurance have anything to do with this, or is it really just distilled down to the doctor-patient relationship and interaction monetarily between those two? Yes, there's insurance is not involved in this, and, and like I said, we don't we don't handle the claims side of this. Um, we're we're just focused on providing that that telehealth and that, that coordination and collaboration, um, but being able to do it in a, a secure way and actually in an intelligent way so that if you're maybe starting and having an issue or a concern and you're messaging your your physician, you're doing it in a secure way, but you also add a little bit of intelligence that improves the in- information gathering so you don't have too many of the ping-ponging back and forth of messages and the physician can, can more quickly assess whether they need a call, need a video conference, or really need you to come in to see them in person. Is the video conference platform part of the telemedicine, or is it, I mean, is it is it synced with your, it, with Helsient? Do you guys offer it, in other words? It, it is part of the whole solution, and the solution is paid for by the by the physician and would be typically, a, you know, a very small portion of that that monthly fee for a patient uh, in a direct primary care environment. So the direct primary care, just for those who don't know what it is, give us, what is that exactly? It's not a uh, concierge. People always think of concierge a couple of thousand dollars a year right off the bat, and then you have to use your insurance. But direct primary care is a little bit more savvy than that, isn't it? Absolutely. So with direct primary care, um, it is a a payment that is monthly, but it tends to be fairly modest. Um, you know, uh, most of the time or, you know, $100 or under $100 a month 
And that that's covering all those interactions, whether it's a telehealth or in-person visit. Um, they typically also do a great job of providing transparency into the costs of labs and, and providing very inexpensive lab work on a cash basis and doing many things actually in the clinic that normally you would have to uh, pay for, but if it can be done in a clinic, would be uh, free to the patient. So, um, so you're not charging the patient for every little thing that goes on as if you go into a general doctor's office where if you have to do an EKG, that gets charged. If you have to do blood work, that gets charged. Everything has an itemized fee, but in the direct primary care setting, it's a global. So everything is covered with the one membership fee. Does that be a yeah, way that is, think? That, that is the, the way to think about it. Um, there, there, of course, are always going to be situations that you're going to go for outside uh, imaging, like like an MRI or something. Uh, many of the direct primary care physicians have done a good job of working with facilities and getting very low price cash pricing mm-hmm. for many of these diagnostic um, images and lab work. So uh, it, it's really a focus of bringing the total cost for the patient down as much as possible and creating an ongoing relationship uh, with the patient so that they're not trying to avoid getting care. They're really focused on looking at their health and trying to be preventative and proactive because then it becomes less costly for the patient, but also becomes much more efficient for the physician too. I absolutely agree. On that note, let's take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Matt Larson, the CEO of Healthient. A, a novel and innovative approach to healthcare delivery and patient consumerism. Now, before the break, you were talking about the benefits of direct primary care. And one of the things that I always get when I'm on doing an interview is people can't believe that there's such a differential between the cost of healthcare when you use your insurance card versus when you use your cash. Can you give us a little insight? Because it's it's now true across the board, whether you're doing a lab, whether you're doing a radiology um, uh, test, or seeing a doctor. Why is that? Well, I think there's a, it really comes down to the, the administrative costs of working with the insurance and trying to process that information, get it to the, the, the insurance, being able to get paid, uh, sometimes having to go back and work with them to avoid a denial or address issues. I think I think the most easy to understand situation is with a low cost lab. Because if you get a situation where a lab may cost two dollars for the lab the lab to actually process it. So they can they can provide that service on a cash basis very close to two dollars if you're paying up front. But if you're having to go through an insurance company, well, they're going to have to file a claim. They're going to have to wait for that claim to come out and come back, assess that. They're going to have to send you a bill. If you don't, many many patients will not pay it on the first bill because they don't know if the insurance company has fully fully addressed it. So mm-hmm. they're having to send multiple letters out, multiple interactions, work with the insurance company. So all of a sudden, that that two dollar charge has made it into $20, 30 $40. So really just a, a remarkable increase in costs for something that should be very simple and very inexpensive. 
it's it's really just maddening when you think about all of this uh, fluff that's built into the system, and there's no oversight for this. You know, at the conference, what really struck me was uh, one of the lecturers got up and talked about how insurance plans and hospitals really work, and it is not in their interest at all to lower prices. I don't think they look for any kind of cost savings at all because they literally make money on the the platform or the structure, the the cost structure of healthcare system. They get kickbacks, they get reimbursements from the the government. If you have a small business and you have an administrative plan through an ERISA plan um, where you self-fund it, they actually get money based on how much they quote unquote save you. So if something's a hundred thousand dollars, which is really maybe twenty, they get to write off that or tell you that they saved. I should put it. Let's put it this way as the example. The the thing costs a hundred thousand. They pay twenty. They're saying that they lost eighty thousand, and then they bill you for the difference. So they actually are saving you money from the from a. ERISA perspective, they're saving you 80000 so they're going to take a percentage of what they save you. And if it's a hospital, they get reimbursed for what they supposedly lost in you know, uncompensated care. But it's not based on any reality. It's not kind of disgusting when you think about it. Yeah, it, it is awful. And there's the, the games that, that are done, at, you know, what they refer to as the charge master at the hospital is is, is just crazy. And it creates tremendous problems with price transparency and trying to actually understand how much a procedure would cost and get a, get a, get a pricing up front. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. It, it becomes extremely complex and unnecessarily complex. And also it, it makes it where the, the health system is focused on on the revenue side and the reimbursement much more than they are focused on the costs and the efficiency and getting everyone to coordinate and collaborate the most effectively for the patient. And if it worked that way, what you just described, I think the healthcare costs would be dramatically less than what they are now. But the good thing about what we're talking about is that you don't have to wait for the system to catch up with you. I mean, you can go to healthscient.com. And actually, you've got a wealth of information on your site, everything from ebooks to um, blogs that talk about the the future of healthcare. And I believe, and I, I'm, I'm, you can answer me your thoughts about this. But the more the patients understand that they have a choice, that there is an alternative, I think for me that's the way the system is 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 broken. This current system will be changed because it needs competition. What's your thought on that? Absolutely, we 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 became very excited, and we you know we talked about the direct primary care movement. Um, we came very excited because again, that is aligning the patient and the physician, both clinically and financially, to get the get the patient to better health, get to root cause issues, and to be able to avoid hospitalizations and really the significant costs that can come come along with chronic conditions. Um, the more engaged people are with their health, um, the better, the more healthy they will be, and the more they'll avoid these really expansive costs mm -hmm. coming from hospitalizations. And unfortunately, our system is actually creating creating a, a problem in, in doing that. So it is it makes it where it's, actually more advantageous to not go to the doctor, not engage until things are so bad that it becomes an emergency room visit with just extraordinary costs. So I, I agree with you. The ability to take a look at your different options for physicians and the different ways that they're starting to work on a cash basis, the different options for health insurance and medical cost sharing, Mm -hmm. um, is all creating some dynamics that I think is going to show people a better way to move forward with their health care. I absolutely agree. It's just getting the word out. And, you know, you're still a young and growing company. How are you doing that? How are you getting your, your, your message out and getting people to know more about your existence? Well, we do have the, the website, with the, which is healthcient.com. So it's... Uh, 
health and then S-C-I-E-N-T.com. Um, we put a, a lot of information out there that's coming from across the industry about really advantageous trends. Like you said, we have an e-guide around five steps to, to better health care to lower cost, which kind of walks people through how to take ownership of their health care decisions and how to make sure they're getting their health care data, um, working with a, a, a physician that really wants to partner with you, mm-hmm. um, understanding how to, how to make small improvements in your health to make, make better longer-term decisions, and then also how to spend on care, not coverage. So we're using the website a lot, a lot. We're going out to conferences. We're also engaging with physicians and patients to uh, try to work with them. And as we, we move into next year, we'll be uh, launching the product that we talked about. And from a physician perspective, do you? I know you work with practices, but is there, uh, if patients go to your website, can they find? direct primary care doctors. I know you're in Georgia. Well, first of all, let me ask, are you anywhere else outside of the state of Georgia? And are you, if you're not, are you going to be? Um, currently, we're just kind of working in, in Georgia and contiguous states, so Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee. Um, over time, we'll, we'll expand beyond that. Um, but the, the website, of course, is uh, available for anyone. And uh, we, we are interacting with physicians in other parts of the country but um, aren't moving forward in those areas with the product at this point. And if you go to the website, let's say you're in any of the you know, contiguous states, so to speak, will you be able to find a direct primary care doctor? Do you have um, a way for people to find doctors who, are, who get this in their area? Uh, we don't at, currently at this time. It is something that we're looking at. Uh, there are some other resources, especially for direct primary care, that mm-hmm. you can use. Um, the DPC Frontier uh, is one of those those sites that allows you to find uh, direct primary care doctors across the nation. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that people, I think they have a, a misconception about pre-existing conditions. And I think part of the things, or I think it's uh, conflating having a pre-existing condition and and lack of health care coverage and how expensive it is. One of the things that I learned in this conference, which is really eye-opening because I never really thought about it in the same way, but you almost want to be in a direct primary care practice if you have a pre-existing condition like diabetes or high blood pressure or asthma or something that has to be managed daily you know, or monthly. The direct primary care is the most efficient way to do it and the most cost-effective. Don't you find that? Absolutely, because if, it, if you're really needing some ongoing care, and especially if you're trying to move to, to address and get to the root cause of a, a chronic condition, um, having a, a, a physician that can work with you over, over telehealth and talk to you um, over the phone um, just puts a different dynamic if every time you come in, again, it, it's a bill to insurance and uh, sometimes a substantial bill, um, you're going to, to interact with that physician in a different way than if you're in a monthly subscription and you have that full access. So I think the opportunity to have small follow-ups, to be able to ask questions via telehealth and get, get responses are all part of, of really being much more proactive in preventative around your health. Oh, it's about patient engagement. And on that note, let's take another break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month, 
and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with a person who actually gets it and who is forward-thinking and who is providing solutions and not just wallowing in what if, you know, what, what it could be. And I really love that about you, Mr. Larson, the fact that you have a solution and you're on the forefront. And this is something that me as an as a independent doctor and a specialist, I'm very interested in this type of engagement with my patients. Do you have a specialist also involved with um, with Halcyon? At this point, we we do not have any specialists on our uh, advisory uh, board, but we definitely would love that. Um, we, we've looked a lot at the uh, geriatric arena because mm-hmm. that has a lot of comp- complexity across a lot of different areas. Um, but we feel that the uh, the solution will provide very good benefit for specialists, especially uh, someone that had it's an ongoing issue that they're working with uh, their patients. Uh, let's talk about the seniors for a second, because I think that's a, um, a population that gets a lot of, they take a lot of hits. Those folks who are on Medicare, I you know, they're not really getting access to independent doctors at this point. There's there's a dwindling number of independent doctors that actually are able to take care of seniors and actually offer them space in their practice because of all the regulations and it's just a it's a big fiasco. Do you find that that seniors should think about accessing direct primary care as their literally their base and then use their Medicare? For God forbid, they have to go into the hospital. It's just a different mindset. Using Medicare almost as a secondary, as opposed to using it to access the system as their as their interface. A- absolutely, because you know, especially uh, an elderly patient that is starting to have multiple conditions um, that they're having to address, uh, they need someone who can help orchestrate and quarterback those issues uh, across the different physicians. Um, so often you have the, the, the lack of coordination that, that creates tremendous uh, pain, suffering, and, and clinical issues. I mean, just trying to coordinate the medications and ensure that the medications that are, that are provided by different physicians aren't, aren't conflicting mm-hmm. is well worth engaging uh, a, a direct primary care physician that's going to stay engaged and going to work with you and, and manage that care across all your needs. I, I think that's, I've seen that where people come in with shopping bags full of um, their medication and you look at them, there's like duplicates and same of the, uh, some of the same class of medication. I'm like, uh, first of all, I don't know how you keep it straight. And second of all, you wonder how many interactions and how many negative events from interactions that go un- unforeseen and people falling and people being foggy and they think you have dementia. I can only imagine if you could clean out everybody's medication list and actually figure out they really needed to be on everything that they're on, one, how much money would it save them? And two, how much money would it save the entire system because of, you know, we call iatrogenic or medication-related bad events? Absolutely, um, and that, that's when we're, we're talking to patients. Um, many, many of them are, that we also have, have friends that that are having to work with their their parents as they work through these issues, um, and just the strict the coordination of care isn't happening. So you're, you're getting, like you said, duplication of medicines, but also people aren't paying attention to what is getting done. I know, uh, you know, a friend of ours had issues with dialysis and had some very serious ramifications just because what had been done by by the the surgeon was 
not reviewed by the dialysis uh, nurse. And so, in other words, you had a tremendous problem and had to go back and actually address another surgery. Wow. So um, the ability to keep that information in, in front of people, having the patient having all that information and being able to provide that when needed, and also being able to have that um, daughter or or son that is coordinating care or a caregiver have access to that so they can provide it to the other uh, clinicians. Uh, it's just critical in avoiding the, these very expensive but unnecessary uh, events. Well, I want to flesh this out just a little bit so that people can actually get a, a vision of what you're talking about. I definitely understand the coordination of care, the communication, but what platform are, the, are they dealing with? Is this a website that people go in and put their medical information on, the doctor can see it too? What's the real-time um, interaction that you're discussing so people can get a feel for exactly what that means? So what we can do is we've built up around the, the whole system around coordination of care. So everything is tied to what we call a care event. So it's that person and either that episode or that, that encounter that they're working with. Um, and then we provide that the ability for the physician to add information, documents, take, take their notes, tie into that. And then the patient also is able to see that, but both the physician or the patient can authorize other people to have access to that care event and all the associated notes, documents that are going along with that, which might be labs, images, and other other items. Mm -hmm. So by, by allowing the, the patient to have very clear ac access to that on, on the website or an app, uh, a smartphone app, and being able to allow them to authorize family members or a caregiver to have access to that and potentially also a specialist, you, you can avoid the situation of showing up at the specialist or the hospital and all that information isn't available because it, it didn't get through all the hoops to get between clinicians. Well, I can tell you from a real-time perspective, uh, clinically, if a patient comes to see me and they're coming from a hospital or another doctor's office and they don't send the notes, or you cannot, they're not inter, interoperable, in other words. So I may have Athena, that someone has eClinical, these are the two different EMRs, for example. They don't send information to me. We don't, we don't communicate. And it sounds to me like this Halcyon, you know, you guys would be the bridge. So there's some clearinghouse almost that everybody can access and no one would be in the dark, no matter what they have, whether they're a DPC or they have a different EMR or if they have no EMR, then we end up not having any barriers. Am I correct? Absolutely. There's there's a, a lot of push. Actually, the, the Department of Health and Human Services is, is pushing uh, to ensure that, that patients have access to their data. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing in that, that arena is, is also allowing them not only to, to get it, but to be able to provide it. Um, and, and like you said, it can be very difficult to move information between EMRs um, because not only you're, you're trying to connect those two EMRs uh, between different different organizations, mm -hmm. but you also have to ensure you have the right patient between there, but the patient isn't involved. It's all behind the scenes. If the patient is actually involved and providing another potential conduit between the clinical organizations, and you, you know who it is. There's not a debate of who it is because they're actually engaged with it. So that's where we think we can make a, a significant difference and also empower the patient to ensure they're getting the right care. Well, that means you're actually moving the system forward because they've been talking about interoperability since the High Tech Act passed. But how many years ago is that? And you know, I feel, again, there may be who's, people who stands to gain, right, if they have everybody being able to talk to each other, I don't think these EMRs would be so mercenary, like making you buy your own information back if you switch, as a physician, if you switch from one EMR to another one. They tried to make me buy my data for $10,000, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. But that's a lot of power that you have if you cannot talk to each other. I think that would be gone 
in the era of the interoperability. But again, why wait for that when you can do Halcyon and have your own information? And I don't, it sounds like if you're out of the country, if you're away from your physician, your information always can travel with you through your iPhone or whatever. Is that right? Absolutely, because as you, you get that information as a patient, then you have, have full access to it and, and authority to use it as you feel necessary. So you keep that with you. The physician also has that information and, and in the same way uh, will have that on an ongoing basis and can authorize and share that as appropriate and, and meets the uh, stipulations. Well, you know, it's a different mentality, right? Whoever has the information has the power. Now it will be the patient in your system and the doctor, and that's a complete 180 compared to what's going on now, which is really awesome. Well, thank you. We're really excited about it. And, you know, as you know, so often the EMRs become a, a an arena where the, they try to keep you in the system mm-hmm. compared to helping you go across the system. And that's where we, you know, really focused on the independent physician that is focused on the patient, focused on the care, and is working with a broad range of other providers to get the diagnostics and services that are needed for the patient. Well, before I know we're going to take a break in a minute, but I wanted to ask you about the digital side of this because we talk a lot about wearables. It sounds like your system also integrates that. So the patient is able to actually provide. It, lets, it was all about my thing at the beginning with telemedicine. If you're not seeing your patient and really laying hands on them, how much information can you possibly get? And now we're in a position with the technology, you can wear um, tracking devices for your heart rate, for your blood pressure, for your your um, sugar levels if you're a diabetic. Are those types of technologies integrated in your system? Well, we're very excited, as you probably saw from the, the website, about where the wearables are going and, and other sensors are going. Mm-hmm. Um, we do allow uh, patients to take that data and input them and provide them back and forth uh, to the physician. At this point, we we don't have integration to the devices, but that is something that we plan to do in the future. That's awesome. I mean, that would be such a relief for people who live in rural areas. I mean, people are now in a position of traveling hundreds of miles sometimes to get health care. And as you said it, you know, a while back, if you can access your doctor before something breaks or before you become, you know, get into an extreme situation, that's going to save everybody and I think save a lot of lives as well. On that note, let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation, to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Uh, I think, you know, Mr. Larson, what I'd like to to do next is actually talk about what you've, what you're feeling on how the healthcare system should be going. I know that it's all about communication, but if you had your way, how would you fix this system? How would you, you know, educate people that that they have 
ultimate power as a healthcare consumer, what would you tell them to make them to get them out of the rut of if I don't have health insurance, I won't have coverage? Because that's the mantra I think that everybody lives under. Yeah, I think there, there, there's there's been a, a difficult situation with with some people kind of conflating insurance with care and really acting like if you don't have insurance, you don't have access to care, and that's you know that's really not where where it is. I mean, insurance should be there to help you address ma- major emergencies, major medical issues, um, but I think. Whether you have insurance or not, hopefully you do have some at least catastrophic insurance. The the best sources of healthcare are going to be that that physician that you partner up with, um, whether it's a primary care or due to due to your chronic conditions, it's a specialist. But keeping that interaction very tight and making the advances towards addressing. Your, your chronic condition or your, your your overall health. So we're very very focused and very excited about the the ability to have the pendulum swing back to more primary care. Because un- unfortunately, we, we kind of talk about with with the health insurance system, the the primary care physician has just been a gateway to specialists. Because they don't have time to actually treat you or work with you or try to get to root causes, it's moving on to a specialist. And so often the specialists have the issue under insurance. They they don't have time to, to treat you in a holistic way. They've got to address things and a lot of times move to very expensive procedures to be able to make make the dynamics and the financial work out, work the financials work out. So we're very excited where. The, the, the pendulum, I think, is going to swing back to, to primary care and to deep engagements with specialists. And I think the primary, direct primary care movement is really showing that. Um, so that's where we see things going. And then you start adding, like you talked about, wearables. You start getting more and more low-cost diagnostic tools that are available at, in, in the office, in the, in the clinic, clinic, or at the pharmacy, or at home. And things get a lot more accurate, a lot clearer, and a lot faster, and I think it all moves to better preventative health. And that's what that's what the healthcare should be about prevention, and not catastrophic illness. At this point, the system can't even afford to take care of the people who aren't really catastrophically ill. So just adding more people who wait longer because they can't afford it because they don't have the money to pay the out-of-pocket deductibles and coinsurance, it's just a real it's a really bad system. Are you getting any pushback from the standard, you know, the standard bearers, insurance? Because you are the opposition to this. You are the competition, and you actually the, the the second path that people, once they find out about it, if they have really good, if they're savvy, they're going to go down this path because it's a lot easier, a lot cheaper, it's better care. And I think we're living in a two-tier system now. Having health insurance means more expensive, less quality care than paying for it on your own. So because you are um, an agitator, so to speak, are you getting any pushback? Well, we're, we're, we're not engaging the health systems or health insurance companies at this point. So um, we're, we're avoiding those arenas as much as we can and really trying to, really trying to help the independent physician, which we think is going to be the, the person who really helps drive change in healthcare. That, that independent physician, whether they're specialist or, or primary care, that um, is kind of outside the system and is focused on changing the system and making it better and making it more consumer-focused and patient-centered. Well, the average, you know, according to your website, the average direct primary care um, membership is about $77 a month. When you compare that to people walking just what to me today walking out of my office with a deductible of two thousand dollars twenty five hundred that means they were paying a premium and then they have to pay another two thousand on top of that before the insurance kicks in the first dime there's a no brainer when you start talking about cost i mean are you are you seeing young people gravitate towards this? who are the people do do you, from a demographic standpoint are are moving towards direct primary care as patients is there any kind of research on that? 
You know, the, the research that we've found in, in a little bit, it, it's commingled with some of the, the concierge uh, primary care physicians, but there, there's a tendency to people who are a little more in their, their 40s and older because they're a little more focused on their their health and un- understanding um, that they need to take care of themselves themselves and the, that their health is their, their most important asset. Mm-hmm. But we also see a lot of people, you know, you talked about rural, it's difficult to get different places. Um, a lot of comments that we have that people are getting truck drivers um, because, again, they're, they're, not, they're not in one place as much. They need access to the telehealth, but they need telehealth with a doctor who knows them and is engaging with them on, a, on an ongoing basis. So although you, you don't tend to have quite as, quite as many people in their 20s, um, you do have people who are traveling and a, a lot of people in their, their 40s, 50s, and 60s along with elderly. So instead of sitting in a doctor's office for hours on end, you can actually get get care but not lose productivity. I'm, I would think that's a pretty big sell for a lot of working people or people with children who can't, you know, they don't have the luxury of spending time away from what they need to do for hours on end to be seen for five minutes or seven minutes by the typical doctor visit. Absolutely. the People are starting to realize with direct primary care that they they can get the, the access to care that was, you know, traditionally only for executives and the very wealthy with concierge medicine, but now they can get it, as you said, you know, a very affordable rates, you know, seventy five dollars, you know, some sometimes it's down in, in, in the sixties or below, but but regardless, if you compare that to what you're having to pay for a deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2,500 is, is, a, is a fairly modest deductible. Many of the people we talk with, it's it's a minimum of $5,000 deductibles. So you're you're in a situation that that taking that that effort to address your care and paying that out of your deductible instead of waiting and paying each visit mm-hmm. or paying for the urgent care or or worse. Um, you end up saving so much more money and uh, really having having better outcomes. Now, I just want to – we have a few minutes left. I just wanted to, to actually address one more thing because I have a question about it as well. You said that the doctors pay for a portion, you know, a small fee for their platform. Is it free to patients, the health um, platform? And yes, it is, it, is, it is free to patients. So – the, uh, they they will have access and have access to their their data as a part of their their relationship with the physician, uh, but then they will actually keep that even at, even if they have to if they move mm-hmm. and um, have to have to gain another physician. Okay, that's good to know. And are the doctors able to write prescriptions and send prescriptions through the platform, or do they have to use their EMR to do that sort of thing? Um, that's one of the things that we're looking at right now. Um, we've had requests for that and are, are looking at it, but we have not uh, finalized that. Um, we'll be looking at it in uh, 2019, though. Okay, got you. And my, my last question is the the payment side of it. Direct primary care is pretty straightforward because the telemedicine would be included in their monthly fee, so that's part of the service. But if, the, if you had, didn't have a direct primary care practice in the classic sense, and you just had a fee-for-service practice where it was cash-based, could you charge the patient through the, for the telemedicine as a one-off? I mean, how would that work, or would it work? Well, at this point, it, for us, it would, it would still be the same type of a payment, so you're, you're paying uh, per, per patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but as if you are taking insurance and is – more of the insurance groups, uh, insurance plans are taking um, or are providing reimbursement for telehealth. Mm-hmm. Um, then you then you could recover the cost that way. Um, but there's nothing that that keeps uh, a fee for service doc from using our uh, application. We're just focused on the direct primary care and, and concierge space, just because there's a there's a deeper relationship and a better partnership typically between the patient and the physician, and that's that's where we want to grow. Okay. 
So it's really a, a very special niche that's concentrating on the direct primary care mindset and that particular patient engagement with them. Yeah, we're, we're looking at it as that if we really create great products for that arena, it will drive more and more people into that type of a relationship with their physician mm-hmm. um, and grow that market. You know, the one of the friends of mine talks about you have to lead the willing. So we're going to try to help these physicians really make make things great for themselves but also for their patients. And with the success of that, I think it's going to help drive the success of that type of a practice. Well, on that note, I, we're going to unfortunately come to an end of the show, but how can people contact you and find the website? The uh, the website is, is again, healthcient.com, so health and then S-C-I-E-N-T.com. Um, you can reach us at info at healthcient.com, or you can reach me at Matt. Dot Larson, that's L-A-R-S-E-N, at Halcyant.com. And the ebook that's another really good resource. And as um, Mr. Larson said, it's five steps to a better health care at lower cost. And to me, that's kind of a, a template or a, a map that people really need to have so they can become healthcare consumers. And they can get it on your website, right? Absolutely. It's a free download Um and it's very prominent on the website. Well, I highly recommend everybody go to the website and also get that download so that you can become knowledgeable and then you can be more nimble about what works best for you. Mr. Larson, I want to thank you so much for being on my show today. I look forward to having you back on again as soon as you as you add new new products and new things. I'd love for you to come back on and update us. I would love to. It's been great talking with you. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you all for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.